This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, episode 304. Jeff Hawkins here, struggling through a head cold along with Chris Novembrino. Chris, we're getting into Oscar movie season. And uh, one of the more interesting things in marketing movies is produced by, and it'll give some big-time movie, so you're supposed to give you know the same kind of heft to it. But I think I've seen an all-new one where, where one movie is being plugged. Uh, one of the cast members is Academy Award winner Common. Now, I have no problem with Common getting a lot of work in acting, but he won his Oscar for Best Song, I believe. Uh, is is this a truth in advertising problem or no? I mean, I guess the issue here is how much does anyone pay attention or give any credence to the advertisements, right? Like, when I see things like this, they just sort of wash over me, and it means nothing. Someone can be an Academy Award winner, and you're like, okay, but I, I, I mean... I guess it's sort of truth in advertisement. I'm trying. There's got to be a wrestling analogy here. I-, I feel like we get these all the time, where you uh, lose- you know what it is. I know what okay. it is. It- it's it's like uh, uh, eight time Intercontinental Champion Dolph Ziggler, or something like the Dudleys <laughs> who have had the titles like 16 times, and you just need to not pay attention to the fact that they had them for like one night at a time sometimes, or or that they held they held the t- the major tag team champions chips from every single major league. And you have to ignore that the WCW title reign they had was when the uh, invasion angle happened, and they just got it just as they could say they were WCW tag champs. So it's kind of like wrestling, truth in advertisement is the way yes. I'd say. But it's all show business, so I guess it's about... It's it's truthy is what it is. <laughs> Truthiness. Well, we're all hit an all-time low. We're going to have our TLC preview. Where do you want to start on on this thing? I have well, we an have idea, to start but, on uh, the ultra meta commentary promo, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I think everybody analyzing this thing is way off on this thing. How so? For those who have not listened yet, they are talking about the low ratings and the bad booking being the fault of Baron Corbin in story. Well, the analysis I've listened to. You hear the thing, well, it's obvious that they're now self-aware that there's something wrong. And they know what the problem is, or they, they know that there is a problem, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't view it like that at all. I viewed it more as a cynical, try-and-save-the-stock-price type of move by saying, well, it's part of an angle that, that, that Baron Corbin is booking this show terribly. It's not that business is going down. It, it's, it's, it's to get heat. It, it's it's all kayfabe. Don't worry. Don't worry about the low ratings, guys. It's all part of the story. It's interesting. I think I come down somewhere in the middle of that because I'm definitely receptive to the idea that part of why Vince decided to get meta and self-referential and show ass in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect from him on commentary or it, writing in this and you hear his commentary voice through Seth Rollins is because of the stock price and a fear that it it could crater out if people started to realize how bad the ratings have been getting over the last several weeks here. But 
I'm unconvinced that they know how to actually fix the problem. I, I think it's one thing to say we recognize we have a problem, and I, I think you would just need to be blind to the ratings to, to not... One would have to be blind to the ratings to not think that they had a problem here. And so I, I'm sure Vince can recognize that, but that's not necessarily the same thing as knowing how to book your way out of that. Case in point, you built to a main event with Baron Corbin in it. Well, the disconnect for me is that the examples brought up have nothing to do with the Baron Corbin storyline. Well, apparently the uh, Lucha yeah. House Party rules do now. So I, you, you know well, what? I'm going to smoke my victory cigar on that one. No, I was begging for that to be connected, but they still didn't. They didn't connect those two things. They didn't connect Brock Lesnar not being on the show to Baron Corbin. And the uh, what was the other thing they brought? Oh, the Drake Maverick P-tape thing or the peeing thing, uh, had nothing to do with Baron Corbin's booking of the show or running the show. These were all creative choices, so to speak. So I don't understand That's what made it weird to pin it on to Baron Corbin. I think certainly the people who are arguing that WWE is self-aware of some of the writing missteps that they've made in the last several weeks, these are pieces of evidence you can certainly point to and go, yeah, that makes sense because these really aren't of a piece with the Baron Corbin storyline. But but I'm also kind of with you in the sense of maybe Vince is trying to pass that stuff off to the non-discerning shareholder who just bought, you know, 30,000 shares of WWE and is just deciding whether or not they're going to hold on to it or sell it to say, oh, this is actually all work. So yeah, 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 some of those things are stupid, but that's part of a story. Let me posit another theory for you is that this wasn't actually a mea culpa, but rather a bit of a temper tantrum, so to speak. If you think about it, they're, they're bringing up things that people like me who, you know, probably deconstruct these things far too much are bringing up. You have the, rev- oh, what, you people like the Revival? We had them on every week. Sure, they were in Lucha House Party matches, but don't the kids love the Lucha? You know, you say you want the great matches and stuff? We got them on there. You say you want stars, and so we don't have Brock Lesnar on. He's a special attraction, and now, now you people are complaining about it. You know, uh, you say you want comedy, but you know you don't like this Drake Maverick stuff. And then you combine that with there was also a promo on here. I think it was Dean Ambrose talking about internet fans, and then you also had the kind of weird thing where the Elias promo. I look, they were only in L.A. three weeks ago. I took the shots at maybe Vince not liking the crowd or the response or the ticket sales of Survivor Series or something in L.A. Because it seemed weird to have a babyface kind of taking pot shots at a, at a venue where you just had a big four pay-per-view a few weeks back. Right, but didn't Los Angeles not give Vince the response to a number of the angles that he wanted the last time they ran there? Like, I'm trying to remember, yes. Natty, was, didn't they do the initial Natty with uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart? The initial Natty with the Jim the Anvil Neidhart sunglasses? The sunglasses. Yes, the, the, yeah. those got broken and the audience just completely shat on that. I forgot they had Raw and SmackDown tapings there on the Monday and Tuesday because I didn't go, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they uh, I, I think a lot of this was more pointed than a lot of people seem to give credit to. 
Yeah, and, and I certainly think that it, it would maybe be a mistake to assume that Vince has become reconstructed in the last couple of weeks or that the bad television ratings alone are enough to temper him. I, I think what would actually temper some of these bad creative impulses would be a share sell-off, and that might be the thing that he's really worried about. Well, I mean, he just sold shares to help fund this XFL thing right. last week. And, and, and he hopes um, that the other shareholders completely buy that narrative and don't think there's something else going on. I, I also think one of the narratives going around is that, that Vince knew what the problem with live events was. And I think on these Raw and SmackDown tapings, one of the reasons you're seeing a lot more of the live skits in front of the audience as opposed to backstage is that's what they think the cure is. They, the cure is a few more skits. A few fewer matches, but the matches that they have are pretty good. Yeah, and I actually think that they went the opposite direction this week on that. So I I think that they realized that the skits were oversaturating people a little bit. So that's why we didn't see the rehash of the Sasha Bailey open forum thing. And I think that there was a little bit more of a push towards matches, but then we actually get into the actual matches here on this Raw, and it was a little more hit or miss. I thought, to to be completely honest though, top line, I thought that this Raw of the last three weeks was by far the most watchable of them. This was not, this was not pulling teeth. Um, This was not like the greatest Raw I have ever seen in my life or anything like that, or even the best Raw of this year, but this was nowhere near the depths that we were at the two weeks prior, and so I think that was an improvement. Yeah, but for me, I, I could not get past just the basic fact that they trashed their own product in the opening segment. And coming from an old school background where, you know, every week you'd say, no, you're watching the NWA, the finest in wrestling. All the stars are here. And the WWE, nowhere else but the WWF, would you ever see this kind of entertainment, et cetera, et cetera, to say you're watching a bad product. I'm not going to go into the WCW comparisons because I don't think those are apt. No, the problem is you're not firing Baron Corbin because if you want to scapegoat the garbage booking of the last several weeks here, what really should have happened is that Baron Corbin should have been relieved of duty. So they they really tried to have their yeah. key, they really tried to have their cake and eat it too. No, I think you bring up a great point, and it was one in the back of my head. If in storyline, the company were really concerned about all this stuff, about the low ratings and the bad stories, and him booking the show like crap. You don't think Stephanie or Hunter would have fired him? That that should have been the angle, right? I, I mean, and if they wanted to hit the reset button anonymous and move on out of what has been a bit of a swamp, you, you have to completely wipe the table of it, which makes me think Vince hasn't really fully learned his lessons. He's mad at the fans for not loving this. Well, the, the problem is I think they were saving it because... Because the stipulation on the TLC match between Corbin and Strowman is if if Baron Corbin loses, he's stripped of all authoritative power. So you have to wait till next week to do it. So I guess this week is the setup, perhaps? I don't know. And, and then Braun will come in and save the day, and then what? I mean, then I think we get the managing of Alexa Bliss, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. That, that's what I'm thinking. But uh, And how would that really be an improvement narratively? She's still got to be the same WWE heel general manager character we're used to. No, it's just a new package, and then Stephanie will come in and dress her down eventually, you know, too. Sure. Uh, I liked the TLC match on, on uh, Raw. I just think it ruins the uh, 
the point of having a pay-per-view where it's the big angle type of match. It's like, yeah, we're going to have a cage match between, you know, Flair and Dusty. But first, we're going to have this cage match between Flair and Ronnie Garvin on the, on the go-home show. Right, right. And, and you know Dean and Seth will go at it. I like the fact that Dean was not really involved in this match except at the tail end. And for what it was, it was fine. I thought Seth, you know, put on a show for this audience. But we're about to see this stipulation. This is like, uh, you know, to plug the premium side, if you go to... If you go... To plug the premium side, if you go to patreon.com slash str, we have an episode out on Hakushi and the Great Muda. Become a premium subscriber today and get free episodes of... I'm going to correct you on the link. Get premium episodes. Yeah. What? I'm going to correct you on the link. Okay, let's just try it again then. We'll correct me on the it's, link. It's patreon.com slash shake them ropes. It's patreon.com slash shake them ropes. One of these days, I will learn our Patreon. <laughs> I have too many Patreons. <laughs> As it were, but, but please go and support them all. <laughs> oh man! So let's get into this TLC uh, card, and we can go through the matches from SmackDown and Raw, and uh, uh, kind of deconstruct from there. So we'll start uh, probably on the pre-show, the mix match challenge final. Winner to get a all-expenses trip paid to the vacation spot of their choice and will also be the last entrant in their respective Royal Rumble match. Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox versus R-Truth and Carmella. Oh, you, my God. You talk about anticlimactic number 30s. Don't get me wrong. I love Alicia Fox. She's, she's as crazy as, a, as an outhouse rat, but <laughs> I like her. But your number 30s are either going to be Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox or R-Truth and Carmella. Yeah, I, I, does it really matter who wins this? I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jinder Mahal and Alicia are going to end up winning this, but you could talk me into R-Truth and Carmella, and you would have wasted my time because I would have become extremely bored. I think of the four, they could reasonably get on commentary and talk about Jinder as a threat at number 30. I, I, I you know, I, I think... But I could also see them just doing dance party gimmicks with R-Truth and Carmella. Yeah, I could too. And I could see them, you know, one to have the crowd be happy on the pre-show. So, um... But I'm going to go with Jinder and Alicia with you on that, on the finals. Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton in a chairs match. How do you see this? I'm going to say Randy Orton wins this match. I feel like they're still in the process of building up Randy Orton for whatever it is, and... They don't have a real vision for what they're doing with Ray right now, so they'll probably just restart him afterwards. Ray is a bit of a nostalgia act. I still think they view Randy as a big star. They can heat up at any time. I agree. I think uh, I think Randy Orton wins this one. Single match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy taking on Cedric Alexander. We'll, I'll, I got I'll, Buddy I'll, going over here. Well, I'll fold in also. Today on SmackDown, the debut of Mustafa Ali on SmackDown Live, taking on Daniel Bryan. What did you think of that? I liked that. I thought that was a great way to debut Mustafa Ali inside the ring. I The Daniel Bryan promo with Mustafa Ali where we turned into what do you drive? Ugh. Ugh. We are the only two people that I've heard that don't like this Daniel Bryan character. Really? Yeah. Everybody and uh, we, 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 we cover a broad spectrum of the political range here, so it's actually interesting that this is a direct hit with other people. Yeah, no, every other wrestling pundit I've listened to on a variety of platforms, man, I love this Daniel Bryan character. 
so great. I'm like, okay, <laughs> am I wrong? Maybe this is like, uh, oh, what's the Polar Express where we just can't hear the bell anymore, Jeff? <laughs> so you think Buddy Murphy goes over Cedric? Yeah, because I think we're we're slowly beginning that Cedric heel turn story, and I think in order to get there, you have to have Buddy retain. I uh, I'm thinking that as well. I, I think uh, I think Cedric gets tired of losing, and I yes. think he just snaps. I think this is I think this is the breaking point. Still going to be a great match. Still expecting. Oh yeah, to this is going to be a really good match. He's going to try that that final stretch where Cedric is locked in. He's trying his ass off, and he's really trying to get that win. You're going to feel his desperation. I think it's going to be very rewarding. I fully expect this after the kind of the bad reaction of the cruiserweight match on. Survivor Series, I expect this to be back on the pre-show. Sorry to yeah, say. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think so, too. Uh, Natty versus Ruby Riot in a tables match. We had... Oh, boy. We had a cutout of Jim Neidhart on a table. You put my father on a table! That's my dad, and he's on a table! You broke my sunglasses, and you ruined his legacy, and it was hard for me to get a job here because Bret Hart... A guy who's tangentially uh, related to me punched out Vince McMahon 25 years ago. Something that all the kids can definitely relate to. <laughs> I, you, you know, what's funny is that, like, in Vince's mind, when you say Montreal screw job, it's supposed to it's stand in. It's his greatest in, feat. It's his greatest feat. In, in, in his mind, and it's supposed to stand in for this is a work shoot. Um, that, that all the other stuff is kind of fake, but this is kind of real. Uh, and it's 25 years ago, and this audience of children who are between 10 and 12 have really no frame of reference for this other than the once annual mention of the Montreal Screwjob, which they don't understand. I'll say this. Ruby Riot is really good in the role that she's playing here. Uh, the material's not up to her level of acting, but as a mustache-twirling you know, scenery-chewing bad guy, I think she's doing great here. Yeah, no, she's fine. It's just, it's ridiculous to have to try to generate outrage over putting one's father on a table. Yeah. Uh, the Bar, Cesar, or Cesaro and, Cesar, Cesaro and Sheamus versus the New Day versus the Usos in a triple threat tag team match. We had a rap battle today. Uh, nothing. This was fun. I, you know, you know, these are dumb, but I one the Usos, their rap was very sophisticated and very complicated, and I'm impressed that they could remember all of those bars. They did a really good job, but I, I thought that this was deliciously stupid. It's deliciously stupid. Um, they tried to, they obviously tried to avoid taking real shots at either team, like the first rap battle where, uh, I believe it was the Usos went after the uh, went after Xavier Woods and his uh, sex tape issue. Yeah, that was more fun. This was not as fun as That's the first That's been retconned out of existence on the network. Um, <laughs> has it? Has it? That's yes. funny. Uh, I liked the Usos in this. They always bring that sense of menace here. I liked the New Day selling the Usos rap. I thought that was fantastic, too. Um, look, these three teams are great in the ring, uh, even if the bar don't do much for me as an act per se, but I, I think... Uh, who, who do you have? I am going to say that the bar retain. I'm going to go with a title change on the Usos. Okay, I could see that I too. I don't that know was, why. That was my side. I don't think it's going back to the New Day. So I, I was kind of splitting between the bar and the Usos, and when in doubt, I go for a retention. But I'm not married to it. 
Yeah, I, I could I could see them just wanting something new, but not wanting the new day to have another title run just yet. Yeah, yeah. Elias versus Bobby Lashley in a ladder match. A guitar will be suspended above the ring, and the first to retrieve it can use it as a weapon. Oh, uh, Jeff. Elias can we talk took on Leo Rush on Monday. Um, we need to talk about the stipulation. I need to talk about the stipulation, Jeff. If you're going to have something at the top of the ladder, it needs to be a more formidable weapon than the ladder itself. <laughs> what, a balsa wood guitar doesn't do it for you? I would rather hit somebody with a ladder um, and n- not try to climb a ladder to grab a piece of wood to hit them with it. Well, I thought, uh, you know, as much as as 205 Live guys this week seem to be the uh, sacrificial lamb for both shows, I, I-, I liked... Uh, Leo Rush and Elias for what it was. Um, yeah, I don't need Leo Rush wrestling um, in this character. I, I it actually I think takes away from the act a bit, a little bit. But I think since uh, since Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush got the upper hand on Monday, I think Elias gets the win somehow. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, and they also want to really solidify and cement this baby face push so I, I i could see that also i think what what'll happen is um rollins is going to start reun- like uniting a ragtag bunch of people and it's going to involve elias and maybe like finn Balor and well, some I, other people I, under- I understand the logic that the new heel group is baron corbin bobby lashley and and drew but i think it's time to have drew come into his own so i'm thinking a loss here won't hurt lashley that much um, if they do it correctly. Don't be surprised to see Dean Ambrose rotated into that orbit at some point, too. With Elias? No, no, with uh, Baron Corbin faction. Oh, okay. Yeah, because now that Corbin's aligned against Seth Rollins so heavily, uh, I could definitely see Dean Ambrose and Corbin sort of forming an unholy alliance. Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre in a singles match. I think it's a you know it's a typical Drew McIntyre Finn Balor match. It's very good until Drew and then Drew wins. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I, I think that Drew is going over for the women's championship from SmackDown. A triple threat match: tables, ladders, and chairs. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Asuka. I going into SmackDown had an idea. I thought they might put the title on Asuka. And then they ended it with Asuka standing tall, so it's not going to be her. I think the conventional wisdom is going to stand. I think Charlotte's going to get the title here. And I think Becky Lynch is going to go into the Rumble and win it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Charlotte is going to go into ruthless aggression mode here. And she is going to... I think this is where she turns heel. I Here's my only thing keeping me from that. Is, is number one, I have no faith that they see a star of WrestleMania proportions and Becky Lynch necessarily. Um, I do think they may think that her and, and it depends and segment to segment, right? Like yeah. on certain segments, they I mean, they had Nia Jax talking this week, like Becky Lynch is beloved by the masses. So it might be Becky and Nia for mania. I hope not, but let me, let me put it to you this way. Out of the four hottest female stars in the women's division on either show, you have people who want, the Becky versus Ronda matchup, which I can see, but that leaves Charlotte versus Asuka. Unless you heat up either a... Unless you heat up either a Bailey or a Sasha, which I don't see happening, or or a Nia, and you just do cross-brand matches that way. I, I don't I know... I noticed you left Tamina Snuka off of this list, Jeff. <laughs> Is that just a minor oversight? Uh, No. 
No, it's not. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Point well taken. So I don't know if they, they'd want to redo Asuka and Charlotte. I don't know if they want to do a triple threat match with Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda. I think they might think the money is still in Charlotte and Ronda in a rematch. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm still not sold on Charlotte winning this, but I think she's the odds-on favorite. Yeah, I... I mean, it could very well be a Becky retains thing, but I'm with you. The one thing that I don't think is happening coming out of this is Oscar wins the title. Although that would be the most interesting of the three outcomes. It'd be interesting, and I think it'd be fine if to give Oscar a short title reign. If it were possible to drop it at the Rumble, I'd do it there, perhaps. You know, so it's only like a month or so. I know there'd be some complaining about how short it was, but I think. Asuka hasn't been this hot since her debut. And now would be the time to give her kind of a short title run if you're going to give her a title run. Um, so, yeah, and I think she's the interesting choice. And then we see who wins the Rumble. But uh, I, I think the storyline is going to be Charlotte wins the title here. Becky comes in early or maybe midway through the Rumble has to fight her way through it so she's you know she's the man and and she she eventually picks she she teases picking charlotte but then picks ronda what uh, comes after that uh who knows <laughs> I'm, I'm only going through mania now i'm not i'm not well i'm asking you what comes after that in terms of matches like what's uh, our next match <laughs> uh daniel bryan versus aj styles for the wwe championship uh, i think daniel bryan retains here I think he retains, and I think it's uh, kind of a redo of uh, Nakamura and AJ Styles, where they have a great match. Daniel Bryan kicks AJ Styles in the balls. DQ. Yeah, because I think maybe the running gag is going to be that Daniel Bryan keeps doing unconscionable things, and he just goes, well, I just kicked that person in the nuts the one time. And also that one time where I hit AJ Styles in the back of the head with the steel chair. And there was this other time. And, and eventually the, the list gets kind of comically long of bad things that Daniel Bryan has done. Oh, and AJ Styles has been known to be susceptible to people hitting him in the balls. It's true. It's Nakamura true. Nakamura did like four straight pay-per-views. We call that a sprained groin in the business. <coughs> Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, I see no way Nia Jax is given the title here. No, absolutely not. They, I mean, that just seems like a total dead end uh, because you give the title back to her and then Ronda would have to have a rematch with Nia. Nia's, they know she's not good. It's it's why they're not even having her do squash matches going into this match. They, they're just, they're keeping her working. Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. If Braun Strowman wins, he will receive a Universal Championship match at the Royal Rumble. And Corbin will be stripped of authoritative power. If Corbin wins, he becomes the full-time general manager of Raw. Let's remember that stipulations don't really matter because they can always be retconned on Monday. There's a ongoing storyline. Will Braun Strowman show up for the match? Or I just don't forfeit? think he'll make it. Yeah, mm. I think he's just going to have to forfeit. That's, that's what I think is going to happen here. Uh, actually, so I have come around to my chagrin on a feeling of, I think Corbin might win this match somehow. I was leaning towards that as well, but with Heath Slater being their cause for Braun Strowman losing, 
Uh, I, I think I think he does show up. I think he ends up killing Corbin. I think he ends up killing Heath Slater. But I think he might end up losing. Yeah, I, I think that's where we're going here. I, then, I, I think then, Corbin then, ends up being your GM still. Yeah, and then Braun Strowman wins the Royal Rumble, gets the title match against Lesnar. Because he's got to overcome odds and stuff. Like you know, I mean that that is always going to be the issue with the Braun Strowman character. He's so big that overcoming the odds doesn't come in the form of a giant guy in the ring for this character. It's going to be against the system and that sort of stuff. He's going to have to always smash objects and things and not necessarily people as a babyface. That said, would not shock me at all if Alexa Bliss is made full-time general manager on Monday. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see it the other way, too, where they go, the Baron Corbin thing's not working. We can try to write off all of the bad ratings on the Baron Corbin angle. Um I don't know. Uh, it, it The problem with blaming all of the bad ratings on the Baron Corbin storyline is it just doesn't quite add up. And I think at some point, people are going to realize that. How many and how fast? That's an open question. That is if you think Braun Strowman is in the main event at WrestleMania, because there is a good possibility that it could be <coughs> Seth Rollins, who takes on Dean Ambrose in his singles match, for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. In the main I, event. I do not know if this is a TLC match or not. It does not say it as such. I assumed it was. Yeah, I believe it is. So, I think that Rollins is going to lose this match. I think that Dean sort of prophesized his victory here. I think in order to really get Bane Ambrose off of the ground, Bane has to have a title. He's got to hate people. Having the Intercontinental Championship, the workers' title, and never wanting to defend it and all that stuff, I, I think that that's fitting for this Bane Ambrose character. I agree. I think Dean Ambrose has to win this match, I think, because Seth got the upper hand in the main event. He is prone to lose. And also, right. if, also, if Roman Reigns is not coming back from Mania, they need a guy in there. And I... I think Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar could headline WrestleMania. Yeah, he, yeah, I could totally see that. And, and, and we're than, still... Oh, sorry? I was going to say even more than Strowman versus Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're still also building this Renee and Corey Graves commentary thing still. So I, I don't I don't know what the Renee play is, but she's somehow going to get involved in Dean Ambrose's antics at some point. Well, she's terrible on commentary right now. I mean, it sounds like they've given her notes to be more <clears throat> argumentative, and it's not working for her. It's making her even less likable than... Because than, the whole point of bringing her on commentary was she was likable. And now she's right. just terrible because she's... She she's fighting for the good guys, but in such a way that you're just like, no, that doesn't that's not logical. So just be quiet, kind of way. Yeah, I mean it's the challenge of having the babyface color commentator in any of these three man booths. It's like WWE doesn't really know how to use a Percy Watkins as that affirmative person because really being the affirmative voice, I think, just works so much better with the play by play guy. You have the play-by-play guy who wants to call the action just the facts, and their preference for the facts makes them prefer the good guy. And then you have the heel color commentator who sees the world through their slanted, distorted presentation of the facts. Anything else on the main roster that 
caught your uh, caught your eye. No, um, I, I guess we can talk a little bit about SmackDown. Just the sense that I thought that this week's SmackDown was very very watchable. Um, flow wise, I, yeah. I'll tell you something. Yeah. I don't understand the Miz Shane McMahon story. It's straight. I, I feel like they're turning Miz babyface is what they're doing. But boy, let, let, let's let's stop real quickly and talk about uh, Shane McMahon. This is I don't often watch wrestling and have this thought because I'm realistic about my actual abilities physically. Uh, but I know for a fact that I could go in and throw better punches than Shane McMahon does. Well, my thing is this. We thought that after after Crown Jewel, that the reason that Shane McMahon was made best in the world was he was eventually going to make this heel turn at Survivor Series, and we're going to go all the way through that, and we're going to get just more evil McMahons on, on TV, et cetera, et cetera. Now it looks like they've kind of... They've kind of pulled the plug on that, and Shane's going to be the heel, or Shane's going to be the babyface, and Miz is now obsessed with calling himself the best in the world and wanting the trophy in such a comedic way that nobody can take him seriously, so he's coming off as a babyface. Well, and then the rejected handshake. I mean, the crowd, they had him stick out the hand, and the crowd was like, aw, when Miz got his handshake rejected. So I, I do think they're keeping him face, and maybe this goes back to the triple threat match and sort of tells us where we're going on that. The bar retains, and then the Miz and Shane defeat the bar. Oh, no. <laughs> Please. Please don't tell me there's going to be a tag team title run for Miz and, and Shane. Why else would you be telling the story? Oh, God. I, I hadn't even pondered that. I thought it was going to turn into, like, Miz versus Shane at Mania, perhaps. Maybe, but I think there's a way station there. It's a long time until Mania. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to find out the... Uh, you're trying to fight against this potentiality. You're like, no, I don't want to watch a Miz-Shane title run. I think you're going to have to, my friend. Let's see. Uh... Yo, do you need me to vamp? So now's a great time for me to try to remind you the Patreon for Shake Them Rope. So it's not patreon.com slash str. That's nothing. Don't go there. Go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes. You can support the show. Uh, kick us, you know, buck, five bucks every month. We put out premium episodes. You can check those out. But, hey, we've put out 304 of these fine podcasts, and you've probably enjoyed a few. So go over to patreon.com slash shake them ropes today. That was a good vamp, right? I did a good job there. Come on, Jeff. It was. I was trying to find the identity of who the Vegas boys were, and it looks like it's a couple of uh, local Nevada kids. Some boys from Vegas, huh? Yeah. uh, (laughs) I I was just wondering if they had worked anywhere else or something, but it looks like they're fairly fairly new. But, uh, yeah, I – oh, man. I hadn't even thought of a tag team title run for Shane and The Miz, and now – now, now that makes me read. Now it's all you can Usos. think of. Well, now I think you're right that the bar win, because that that makes too much sense to me. Yeah, I I think that's the only way. And then the Usos do something else. I don't know. Maybe the Usos even hop brands at some point here. I've suffered long enough. Let's cut the show off. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow him at Chris Novembrino. Chris, go ahead and uh, plug whatever else you want to plug. 
I have so many things. I can, I can plug so many different things. At C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. That's my homepage on Twitter, at Chris Novembrino. You can go to Don'tWorry.tv and find Don't Worry About the Government. That is my news and politics podcast. I just dropped another episode on Sunday, but there will be another episode out probably today as you're listening to this episode of Shake Them Ropes. So be on the lookout for that on iTunes and Stitcher. And I want to plug one other thing that I have been associated with, um, kind of behind the scenes more than obviously on the microphone. Although I do appear in a couple of episodes on the mic too, and that is Vices by Bruce Carlson. It is a podcast that takes a look at the different vice presidents that we've had. So uh, odds are you know a fair amount of the presidents off the top of your head, but odds are uh, if you had to try to name vice presidents who didn't become president, it gets a little rocky. And that's where Vices comes in, so check it out. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher, Vices by Bruce Carlson. Thanks for listening. I hope to have my voice back and to be less stuffy on Thursday. You'll always be stuffy to me.